This is Dispatches from the Frontline, readings from the diary of Sister Nan Ray, who served for four grueling years on the frontline of the battlefields of World War I, read by Geraldine Cook Daphna. Nineteen fourteen, nineteenth of August. The Australian Voluntary Hospital went into camp at Ranelagh. Eleven a.m., the Baroness Ida Deville drove Gabrielle and me there, but we were dismissed after luncheon and allowed to sleep at home as camp beds had not yet arrived. As we had all been inoculated against typhoid earlier, we were glad to go home. Twentieth of August, ten a.m., back to Ranelagh. Spent a very peaceful day, hungry, happy, and lazy. Very glad of the rest. Our stores are arriving. Orderlies and doctors busy unpacking them, drilling at intervals. We just waited for orders, but got none. First night in our little green camp bed, with insufficient Red Army blankets. No sleep. Very cold, but really amusing. <laughs> Pajamas parade. 21st of August, awakened very early, great scrambles in the bathrooms. 18 women accustomed to hot morning tubbing and trying to make the best of small lavatory basins. And very few, too. 1pm, sudden orders for five of us to leave for the front. Wild rush for clothes, scramble to dress and pack kit bags. Ranelagh again, Waterloo, Southampton, Polygon House, headquarters of the British Expeditionary Forces. 22nd of August. A delightful day at Polygon House. After luncheon, went for a cruise in Southampton Water in the Greta, Lord Dunraven's yacht. With us, Lady Dudley, Mrs Cyril Ward, our own five men and Dr Rennell. And very nice too. Southampton Water, very interesting. Battleships guarding it, and the harbour full of transports and hospital ships. Two hydroplanes flew over us near Cowes, and one settled down quite close alongside us. Reassuring cable from liaison officer. 23rd of August, others went to church. I wrote letters. Spent day walking or tram riding... Southampton full of troops, all very interesting and exciting. 24th of August. Monday. Still here, waiting for orders which we expect hourly. Always packing and unpacking kit bags. House full of officers, also waiting. 25th of August. Apparently, they also serve who only stand and wait. 26th and 27th. Almost off. False alarms. First army pay. 28th of August, Friday. The rest of our nurses and men arrived and after dinner, 10pm, we set off on our voyage to the unknown in a drag and a wagon. At the biggest dinner table 13 of us had sat, we discovered that there were 13 in the drag. I sat next to the driver and remarked approvingly of his horses. Yes, miss, 
They're good beasts, but the pace is a bit quick for them. You see, they're used to funeral work. And it was Friday, collapse of the 13, boarded the Romania, a sleepless night. 29th of August, 11am, Le Havre. Landed at Wharf near Receiving Hospital, in the customs buildings. Had some tea with the sisters there and saw wards filled with wounded soldiers. Heard awful tales of German atrocities at Mons. The Battle of Mons, Belgium, August 23rd, 1914, where the German army forced the British Expeditionary Force into a retreat. Driven to Hotel Strasbourg, uncomfortable, dirty, verminous place, but lots of excitement. All our meals at the tables on the pavement in front. Town packed full of troops, French, Belgian, British. Our Britishers look so much more workmanlike and comfortable in putties, others hot and untidy. Bed fairly early, but spent a disturbed night. Partly due to the minor inhabitants of the room. Partly bugle calls and the march of armed men to the front. 30th of August. Breakfast on the pavement. Set off to Yacht Greta. Walked through big stores, two miles square. The contents of all these stores were removed when La Havre was evacuated a little later. Camped in confusion on Greta's decks. Delighted to find luggage from which we had been separated since 28th. Inspection by General. At 8.30pm received orders to relieve nurses at Customs Hospital. Very thrilled. Gabrielle and I among the lucky eight. With Mr Douglas Shields, our chief MO, and Lady Dudley, we went ashore in a launch and took charge of a huge ward. Soon train arrived, ordinary train, and we received our first wounded. My beds were near the door, so I got the first lot of men. Very first shrapnel wound in shoulder. All such weary fellows. Such pluck. Such wonderful stories. Someone has blundered. More stories of German atrocities. Mons. So sorry we could not keep them for a longer rest. Just fed them, dressed their wounds, took off their boots and putties for a while and washed their hands and faces. And then they were carried across to the transports waiting just alongside. Such a strange, uncanny night. Fogs, mists, searchlights and the weird tolling of a fog bell at the mouth of the harbour. Returned to the Greta in rowing boats, in the early a.m., lay down in the saloon floor, dressed, for a while, but could not sleep. 31st of August, Monday, a quiet day on the Greta, Army rations, bully beef and 49ers, type of biscuit with 49 tiny holes in it, extremely hard. Some of us retired to a fine tent on the bridge deck, where I am now writing, surrounded by my belongings. The yacht is beautifully situated, 
just inside the entrance to Le Havre Harbour. All night as we lay in the decks, the flashlights play over us, and there is a crimson streak across the water from one lighthouse. Outside, in the offing, lie the sombre, waiting cruises. 1st of September, Tuesday, another day on the Greta. Quiet morning, just worked at my tray cloth and watched the transports. Always passing, laden with khaki men or blue and red men. And they sing and cheer always, these herded soldiers. Among them, the Red Cross hospital ships come and go quietly. After luncheon, one hour's leave. A wild rush to the public baths. Oh, the joy of feeling really clean. Plenty of soap and hot water. The fresh supply in the Greta is very poor. Return to yacht to find our tent down and great preparations afoot for moving out. Slept on lower decks. Oh, those decks. Nothing was ever so hard. 2nd of September, Wednesday, roused at 6am, orders to depart at 7am, wild scramble, 18 women dressing and packing, ashore with Colonel Lestrange Eames, ROC, and Mr Shields. Continental Hotel, good breakfast, place crowded with refugees. So many smart American women flying from Paris, utterly exhausted from anxiety and lack of accommodation, sleeping on floors and steps, all along corridors and in the crowded public rooms, all waiting for ships to take them to England, so few available. The congestion at La Havre is indescribable. Spent a stupid sleepy morning in a reading room awaiting orders. Leave of absence after luncheon. Gabrielle and I were extravagant. Another bath and a shampoo. <laughs> Very expensive, but worth almost anything as it restored our self-respect. Procession to the casino that night. A large, empty, quite empty building. Not even a chair or a form. Think of our exhibition building entirely emptied of furniture. Slept on the floor as usual. Gabrielle and I together in an empty dressing room. Very select, but very hard. 3rd of September, awakened very early, but did not rise till 6.30. Gabrielle and I felt particularly smart at having a room just to ourselves. Though it was only half the size of the chocolate box, my small room at our London flat. After a long wait in the very hot sun, a tram appeared and we drove to Continental Hotel. Had breakfast and spent the morning awaiting orders. I worked at my cloth and chatted with some American refugees from Paris. After luncheon, I went with Matron to see if our luggage was being properly taken from the casino to the hospital ship, Asturias, on which we were to embark that afternoon. Found the casino deserted, save for a fat caretaker who could not speak any English. All our luggage still waiting. I questioned the gentleman in my very best French and he was distinctly impressed. Pas de charrette, wagons or carts. Pas de voiture, madame. We were amazed. He declared it was quite impossible to get any conveyances, so, in the broiling sun, 
quietly cursing the person who had invented the Australian Army nurse's bonnets, I started off alone on a voyage of discovery. Had several animated conversations with policemen and tram men, etc. And at last was directed to a livery stable. So delighted to see their voiture, etc. But the lady in charge was hopeless. Pas de chevaux, pas de cocher, madame. Back to Matron and we returned to the Continental and I ordered tea whilst Matron interviewed the head porter. He was very good. After much driving, we found one voiture and a handcart. Latter, no good. The porter led the way to other stables. Same conditions, pas de chevaux. We started off without one carriage and were wonderfully lucky in finding two others along the road. Arrêtez, cocher, êtes-vous engagé? Allons, suivez-moi. And so we arrived at the casino. But oh, the consternation of the cocher at the sight of the luggage, the packing of it. Eventually, the procession to the quay. I was ahead in the first fiacre, showing the way, and presently lost the other two. Arrêtez, cocher, où sont les autres? After some search, we discovered them down a little side street having a drink. Procession formed again. Allez vite, s'il vous plaît, allez vite! Matron and I were almost obliterated. Only our heads poked out among the piled-up kit bags. The crowd stopped and wondered. Arrived eventually at the eleventh hour. The Asturias was just about to move down to lower docks and our people were in a wild state of excitement and suspense. A gangway was lowered, an army of Red Cross orderlies took charge of the baggage, and soon we were aboard. No longer responsible, I was very glad to have a rest. Then dinner, and to bed. A cabin deluxe, all to myself. I feel like a princess in disguise. As soon as we came on board, the Asturias steamed down the river to the lower docks, past an American cruiser. Thank you for listening to Dispatches from the Frontline. This project was directed by Naomi Edwards, read by Geraldine Cook-Defner. Original music and sound design by Zoltan Fecho, with producing support from Tristan Meacham and voice editing by Alex Defner. The creative team gratefully acknowledges the support of the Victorian Government through the Community Support Fund and Public Record Office Victoria and Creative Victoria with Regional Arts Victoria through the Sustaining Creative Workers Initiative supported by all the Queen's men. We would like to thank the Selman family and in particular Meg Selman for allowing us to use Nanray's diary.